Hiya, I'm Gemma Kearney and welcome along to a brand new podcast called Sorry Not Sorry, brought to you with Galaxy. So the basis is that we are all pretty busy. So I'm, I'm guessing that people listening to this podcast are probably doing something else, maybe on a laptop, maybe feeling like they need to get back to somebody. So Galaxy have done some research and we just think it's about time that we down tools and we gave ourselves some pleasure. We want to inspire people to do so, so we decided to speak to pioneers of pleasure, or at least letting go, expressing, releasing, whatever it is that you want to call it. And in this particular episode, I am very happy to be joined by Alice Living, aptly named, <laughs> uh, a best-selling author, personal trainer, well-being influencer, a chatterbox, just how I like it. Um, it sounds very busy. How... Do you chill out, Alice? I mean, I'm going to ask you that straight off because reading your biog is exhausting in its own self. Do you think? I think sometimes I have this feeling of you're only as busy as you allow yourself to feel. So, like, when people say to me, oh, my God, you do so much. But I'm like, yeah, maybe I do. But actually, like, I don't... To me, it doesn't feel that much. And I think partly that comes from the fact that I love my job. And so a lot of the time, like doing things like this, I'm like, I just get to sit and have a chat for work, which is great. <laughs> um, but also because I don't let myself feel as though I'm I'm ever like overwhelmed with the amount that I need to do. I think, you know, if you if you tell yourself you're really busy and you've not got enough time for stuff, then you'll obviously feel that. Um, and if you tell yourself that you've got plenty of time to do stuff and you just need to take it in your stride, then hopefully you'll brain will follow. I actually believe you as well. I'm looking into your eyes and I've got to say to anyone listening who's like, this can't be real. It's real. You have an energy that is excitable and that is so nice and it's contagious. It's about harnessing that excitement and finding it within ourselves and I think that that can be really difficult when you feel bogged down. Yeah and I think look I'm talking from uh, in an ideal world you know I understand that there are people that are literally chained to their desk from you know eight in the morning till ten o'clock at night. They are constantly working and they're under quite punishing schedules. I have the benefit of being able to work for myself which is like you know there's this new wave of people coming through that are uh, slightly more independent they're wanting to work for themselves more they're wanting to run their own diaries and businesses and that's great but I don't think we should uh, n- neglect the people that are still working you know those jobs that are, I, I put in inverted commas nine to five because they're never nine to five um, but those people that are and do feel increasingly busy and I think you know that's why it's great for, for podcasts like this that we can kind of, like I can use my sort of I guess it's not expertise, but my experiences in in what I do to try and help people to, you know, find those five minutes of, of chill time so that they don't feel overwhelmed. And I think that is the word that most people use. It's like you can be really busy, um, but it be manageable. But it's when you start to feel overwhelmed that it's almost like nothing gets done 100% well. It's always things get done maybe like, you know, with with half half of the effort that you might be able to put into like less stuff. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think it's interesting that you use the language of overwhelmment because it manifests in different ways. And if you're habitually overwhelmed, if you're just sort of constantly on the edge of, Mm. oh my goodness, I've got so much to do. And it can be anything. It can Mm. be being a parent it can be your work it doesn't Mm. have to just be this traditional format of being in a city and Mm. being chained to a desk perhaps you live somewhere idyllic but you still feel Mm. that stress Mm. and it can be it can really 
make you anxious as well yeah. I think and I think it comes from the fact that we're constantly stimulated as well so we live in a society now where we wake up we check our phone and from like opening our eyes we're already on we're consuming content we're reading we're engaging even when you know for example like I find walking really relaxing but a lot of the time I find myself walking and listening to a podcast and trying to retain information so my brain is still having to work rather than just allowing myself to walk and enjoy nature and the environment and looking at different sites around London um so I think we are overstimulated as a society if you look at the typical day of of one of my clients for example they'll get up and they'll do their emails before they've even had a drink of water and then they'll then be commuting and doing work and then they'll be at work all day and then they'll go home and they'll be you know firing off emails at 10 o'clock at night taking phone calls looking after their kids watching tv like we are overstimulated and we're not ever giving ourselves really that time to stop and say I need five minutes to myself just to process all that I'm doing because I think you can go through an entire day and never stop and just be like, breathe. Yeah. I know that one well. I'm I'm easily giddy and excited and I love life and I always want to fill it with fun stuff. But taking time for yourself is another act, I think. Mm. Yeah, because I think there's a difference between, like, socialising can be self-care, like, absolutely. And I think, you know, some of my favourite downtime moments are when I'm engaging in in friends and actually uh, engaging in friends, engaging with my friends and seeing them. Um, And actually, if you look at well-being, I think we've so often seen it as, like, the food you eat, the exercise you do, and maybe, like, a few other, like, minor little things. But actually... the more that we, re- that we read and learn about like actual well-being, we realise that it has lots of different, um, it's made up of lots of different things. So it's, are you sociable? Are, you know, loneliness is one of the major causes of poor mental health and um, poor health in, in the UK. And it's such a terrible thing that we don't realise how lonely people really are. And particularly people of like our generation, you know, we think of loneliness as being something that only affects, you know, people that are elderly. But actually... You know, there's a lot of research to show how many young women and men are feeling um, deeply lonely, even though they're living in some of the busiest and, uh, you know, most bustling cities in the world. Um, Additionally, looking at things like nature, you know, being outside, we wouldn't necessarily see that as a pillar of wellness. But actually, there's a lot of studies to show how being outside can be so good for our mental health. Um, And then also things like sleep um, are, you know, so, so key to feeling at your best. Um, But they often get lost in amongst the kind of you know, wanting to put well-being into a box of, oh God, I had a chocolate bar, therefore I can't be healthy. Of course you can. Sometimes eating a chocolate bar is the healthiest thing you can do because it kind of nourishes your soul. It makes you feel good. Of course. It's a treat. (laughs) I like to treat myself. So Alice Living, you are an amazing example of a life force. How do you switch off your brain and go to sleep? So, oh, like I'm not perfect yeah and I have days where I will be on my phone at 10 o'clock in bed and just be like oh my god what am I doing Um, so I think it's important that you know we don't point fingers and say my way is better than yours but I do try and come off social media and come off any technology 
at least two hours before I go to sleep. Um, I am such a big fan of reading. I think it's like a lost art and I think it, and there are still a lot of people that read, but I think we read usually on screens now, but I'm a big fan of reading a book. Holding a book, turning Holding a page. A book. Yeah, it's so, and it's so nice. And so I try and have a book by my bed so that it actively encourages me to, you know, get lost in a few chapters of a book before I go to sleep. Um, and actually I found that since doing that, my quality of sleep is so much better. You know, like getting lost in a book can allow your brain to completely you know, transport away from any of the stresses that might maybe been going on in your day, which means that your quality of sleep is therefore hopefully going to be better. Um, So that's one thing that I do. I love chatting about books. What's (laughs) the last book that you read? Last book I read when I was on holiday was The Tattooist of Auschwitz, which was really good. Um, And I would highly recommend that. And I also read a book called um, Selfie by William Storr, which was brilliant. And it's about kind of um, how we're all very self-obsessed. Being self-obsessed is kind of on the rise, but then we don't really want to admit it that we need to dig deep and really start to change that to something of self-love. And we we just focus all the time on everything around us instead. Self-obsessed, I think, is a difficult one because I don't necessarily think we are. I just think we're more aware of how taking care of ourselves has a benefit for everyone else around us. And I think, yes, okay, self-care to a lot of people. So, for example, my parents' generation sounds like a very self-indulgent thing. But actually, like, I think it's something that we have been doing and have almost lost the art of doing in our generation. So, yeah, okay, we've put a label on it. It might sound a little bit self-indulgent, but if it makes us all happier and healthier as a result, why not? So we need to explore it. And I think that it's a very individual process and quite a personal one. Yeah, like self-care is a completely, you know, personal thing. I don't think it can be prescriptive in any sense. And I think that it's definitely something that each person has to find within themselves, what makes them feel best, you know. You know, we're passionate about talking about mental health, but then at the same same time, we're sort of saying, oh, yeah, it's really self-indulgent to practice self-care. Well, in actual fact, if more of us practice true self-care, which is understanding the triggers that affect our mental health, eliminating those and taking space for ourselves in order to be able to digest mentally our days, our emotions, our feelings, then the world would be a better place. So, you know, I do think that, yes, it's a completely personal thing. It's not just about having a bubble bath. It's about... I identifying what it is that makes you feel genuinely good and makes you feel better as a result of doing it. And that could be absolutely anything as long as you do make time for it and as long as you do it regularly enough to reap the rewards of of doing so. Okay, so let's try and break that down. A list of three things, Alice, that keep you grounded and I and I do believe that no one is perfect and I mm. I am against making anybody into a superhero or putting them on a pedestal but you've explored the notion of me time you are a bona fide professional at helping others find find their way from writing your book to being a personal trainer etc what are your three personal things that you love to do so my three things, I think, 
you said I'm a personal trainer and I am passionate about exercise, but I do genuinely believe that exercise brings more benefits than people allow it to, like than people see it as. So people very much see exercise as being um, related to physical benefits. But actually for me, a lot of the benefits of exercise are that for my mental health, for that space that it gives me, you know, I'm working on myself and the the kind of um, confidence that that gives me mentally and physically um also just being able to have headspace you know my time in the gym is my me time and I go in I put my headphones in and I completely kind of um um, escape for an hour and that feeling is so wonderful and I know that you know I've I manage my diary. My manager also has access to my diary and I actively put in my training into my diary because I know that I will be a better person and feel better and be able to attack all the other things with better energy if I've done my exercise and if I've had that time to myself, you know, and I think it is, you know, I use the term and I wrote it down for you, I think, but healthy selfishness, you know, we're not saying that people have to like, you know, turn down going to a meeting to like you know practice self-care but it is about what are the, what are the negotiables that can potentially move in order for you to practice that level of selfishness that you that you um say no to stuff or you don't do stuff to protect and to do your thing that makes you feel great and for me exercise is that thing exercise has been for me the most powerful thing in changing my mental health and eliminating anxiety and um, getting me in a better headspace every single day. And I don't exercise, you know, full out every single day. Sometimes I will literally just do a 20 minute stretch at home. It's not about dripping with sweat every single time. It's just about that sense of movement and how that makes me feel. I'm always just sort of wiggling my body these days. Yeah. And I've done different forms of exercise over the years and it all started with training for a trek that I did I climbed Mount Kenya in 2011 for all my sins because damn it was hard Mm. but I had to focus on whether I was fit enough to do it and I'd never really dabbled in that much exercise to be honest except for dancing on dance floors and I always say to the the person that trained me Nick Addison who's an amazing personal trainer and beyond she's a fitness expert that she's added years to my life. Mm. I actually credit her for extra years because it was an opening of a door that was way beyond the task at hand Mm. with regards to the trek. It was way beyond my body changing, which felt really good, but it just made me approach my body in a different way and to really think about what a powerful tool it is Mm. and my mind. So Mm. like mind, body and soul. Mm. And I can look back at pictures having been in the sort of, having a public profile of sorts for a decade now and can see exactly where I'm at with my mental health just Mm. from my appearance and face and body and hair, like everything. Mm. Mm. And I can see in my mind's eye when I Mm. have been really, really low but forcing not to be because I've been working too hard or not in a good relationship or whatever. But I know that I've always, for not always, but for a long time, have had ac- access to the importance of exercise as an anchor point to mm. bring me back to earth, like mm. when I need it. Mm. And it's gone in all form- forms. And I, I love yoga and I swim now. I'm an active mm. wild swimmer and I love cold water swimming and mm. I swim in the sea. And it's just, it's just a, a really exciting journey to go mm. on. So, I, you know, and I've done 
like strong and lifting weights and mm. had periods of that. And it's just, and I don't see my body as anything to show off, but I do care and can talk passionately about my relationship with exercise mm. as such. And it is, it is really, it's really special to have that with, for yourself. Yeah, of course. And I think what's really nice is that you've highlighted that it's not about weight loss. It's not about changing your body and being like, you know, life will be better if I'm smaller. Because I think that's the mentality that a lot of people enter their sort of exercise journey with. They they have the outcome goal of, I want to be leaner and smaller, so I'm going to do some exercise and then that's it. And it's like actually what tends to happen and what I hope I, uh, you know, impart on my clients is that that might be their initial outcome goal, but actually very quickly they realise all of the other positive benefits that exercise brings that don't have anything to do with weight loss. And that becomes a very, very, you know, low priority on the list and sometimes even goes completely because they realise that actually, you know, their body, their size of their body doesn't equate to health. Actually, there are so many different other factors that that can, um, you know, be markers of health. And size actually is one of the, you know, not not one of them generally. Um, what we're looking at really when it comes to exercise is just can you move well? Do you enjoy it? Do you, you know, get the rush of endorphins that exercise brings? I love a rush of endorphins. Yeah. <laughs> Give them to me. Yeah, and just just so many other things. And I think, you know, like it's wonderful to hear that you've also tried loads of different things because I think people generally put exercise into a box of I must go to the gym and I must, you know, do a class or lift weights when actually like open water swimming brilliant like if that's what you enjoy that's great you know that's got so many other you know being outside and you know getting fresh air is is great and so I'm I a think, fish these days that's all I am Just yeah a and big, I think soppy wet fish <laughs> but I think it's so nice that we hear all different stories of how people exercise because I do think that's really really important to drive home that message that like it doesn't look a certain way it can be absolutely anything it can be you know doing a 20 minute walk on your lunch break that's still exercise um and you do a lot of walking don't you I love walking like walking for me is probably if I if I had to prescribe someone something that I know will make their day every day better it would be walking Get outside. Like, it doesn't even have to be long. I'm saying, like, 10 minutes. But, like, if you're feeling overwhelmed and stressed and anxious, and if we're talking about taking me time, that would be probably my number one piece of advice would be be to walk, but with no distraction. So no headphones, no sort of, like, phone, no nothing. Just get outside, go for a 10-minute walk, come back, sit down, breathe, feel better. Lovely. I'm going to give you number one is walking mm-hmm. out of your three things. Yes. What are your other two? And walking is exercise, so it's going to so loop we'll into that. Same thing. Yeah. Okay. My next thing would probably be, um, well, I, for me, I think... Um, socialising is actually like one of the best ways in which I do really switch off. My job is, it's not, it's, I would never describe it as hard, but it, it requires a lot of my energy and it requires me to be on a lot of the time. And actually like the, the time when I notice that I totally relax and I'm not myself. And there's like a few occasions recently, which have been so nice where I've met up with friends And, you know, had a few drinks, had some food, and I haven't once looked at my phone for, like, the entire evening. And I think that's a sign for me of when I totally do switch off because I'm not thinking about it. I don't care if someone messages me. I don't care if someone rings me. I'm just so involved in the conversation and with spending time with my friends that 
I forget, you know, who I am and what I do. And it's just I can completely relax. And I think for me, that that is one of the best forms of self-care. Good friends are the best tonic for everything. Yes. Good friends are so fantastic. <laughs> I think that we should be trusting our gut instinct a bit more. And I think it's good to sleep on things, mm. pull yourself out of things. Mm. And that goes back to us giving ourselves the time to actually chill, think, like reset our pleasure time, that one mm. hour, mm. and being able to close the laptop. Mm. I think that we're very obsessed with work and we're mm-hmm. very obsessed with success and we are mm. quite obsessed with money. Mm. Like how how can we empower those listening to us to learn from from not being pulled into directions that might not be right for us and actually just snap the laptop shut. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I do something with my clients and I think it's something that's really, really important is like, do you have your own personal boundaries? Do you know what your boundaries are? Do you know the things that you're willing to do, but the things you're also willing to not, like, willing to say no to? Um, If we in life created better boundaries, I think we'd be far healthier and happier people learning when to say no. You know, so often now people are like, oh, um, okay, can you do, you know, even I've done it with clients where they're like, oh, can you see me at like nine o'clock at night? And it's like, oh, well, no, not really. Okay, okay, I will. Like, no, if you don't do those hours, no is the answer. And if you stick to them, people will adapt around you and they'll understand. But if you're constantly sort of like, you know, being in that grey area of like, oh, well, I could. And, you know, people will just try and, you know, take advantage. So People will milk you. Yeah. Trust me, they will. And I think, therefore, <laughs> boundaries are really key and learning to operate those is really, really important. Especially as a woman. It's empowering mm. to mm-hmm. know when to say no. And also to know what you stand for. You know, what is your what is your identity? What are the things that you're willing to accept? But also what are the things that you're not? You know, I know, I hear from so many women who are really unhappy at work because there are certain things going on that are, you know, ranging from like mildly annoying to like really quite bad. And you've got to set those boundaries of knowing when... Um, when to stand up for yourself and say, I'm not willing to take this. And this is, and you know, raising it with your seniors and people like that. That's really, really important. So boundaries in any circumstance are key. And it can be evolving as well. What you might have thought was a good idea can change, etc. Of course. Or an idea that you thought was rubbish can become good. We are all full of contrasts. Mm. And I think that it's important to continuously be open to that. Mm-hmm. Um so number three, so we've done friends, we've done I know, walking. Sorry, no, so much chat. No, no, no. It's it's fascinating, and I think it's also very inspirational. It's it's inspirational to be honest. So what's your number three? So my number three is um, something. It's a little bit like kooky, but basically, I have a mentor, a woman called Justin Thompson. She's like probably one of the most amazing women I've ever come across, and she's like my superhero. Um, but she taught me this. She it's called um, emotional freedom technique, and it's basically like a tapping method. If you Google it. I'm a fan. I'm already a fan of EFT. Yeah. Um, so it's basically working off like the body's meridian points to like release anxiety and stress. Um, so there's like a couple of different points. So in your temples, underneath your eyes, on your uh, clavicles, like just below clavicles, um, on your um, wrist is one of them. Um, and it's like, she, I mean, she described it as she hates quick fixes as in general. But this is one of the things that she found was one of the quickest ways to alleviate anxiety, stress, to improve sleep, to um, kind of be able to switch off. And I was really, really um, uh, sceptical 
uh, when she first suggested it and when we do we have this sort of like group mentorship thing I was really skeptical but I was like right I'll try this for the week because Jocelyn's recommended it so I know <laughs> I know um that it will therefore be be, be probably quite good um and honestly it made the biggest difference and I do it before bed I do it if I'm finding myself particularly like being self-employed I can be sat on my laptop on my own for quite a lot a long time and I can actually start to find myself getting really overwhelmed and overworked not just being able to turn to someone and be like I need help with this or like I can't do this you know whatever um so just doing five minutes of it and it's so simple and it's such a simple protocol that makes such a big difference to how I feel and you can literally look it up online and there's yeah. tutorials it's not dangerous or overbearing oh, it's no. really simple it's it's a kind of more methodical shaking something out. I yeah, see it as yeah. I, I'm I I love it. Yeah, mm. and it's definitely helped me mm. out in very anxious times. Yeah, we live in anxious times, and I think our jobs having to give energy, mm. you know, is quite intense. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's an interesting thing to 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 learn, mm. and and is really helpful because you can just do it for yourself. Yeah, um, but I'm gonna make number three mentorship because yes. I think you were led to yeah. a particular technique by an incredible person. Yeah. And that is something else that I think is is really key as we grow as women, I think. I couldn't agree more. And I have been such a, an activist in, in sharing that there are a lot of people that I've really lent on for support. You know, I think so often, you know, you talked about putting people on social media on a pedestal and seeing them as the, you know, the fountain of all knowledge and like these kind of experts. And one of the biggest things that I wanted to do with my page is say, I am far from an expert. There is so much that I don't know. And actually, I really rely on all of these people to support me in lots of various different ways. So for example, I'm a personal trainer, but I have my own coach. I don't write my own programs. I go to someone who's got far more knowledge and experience than I do. And he has been like instrumental in changing my approach to training. Again, someone like Jocelyn, she my mentor in terms of how I coach and, and it's different to a friend a mentor is very completely different specific in the fact that they're your mentor in fact that is good that they're not your friend because you have that distance between you for them able to be really objective in the advice that they give rather than it being a bit like you know just sit and have a chat and maybe give a bit of advice on the side so I absolutely think that mentorship is one of those things that it seems a little bit indulgent but actually it's so so key for me in improving myself as a person and being a better individual Um, and I think it's also something that a lot of people want but they're not quite sure how to go about getting so I've sat on a lot of panels recently where you know there have been a lot of inspiring women on the panel who've talked about mentorship and you always get the question of like how do I find myself a mentor and I always say you know ask there is no harm in Going to someone that you admire, you know, I, I, um, there's a woman called Nashmi Rob. She's she works at Google. She's amazing, and I sat on a and I listened to her on a panel, and she said one of her answers was, you know, to to that question of how do I get myself mentor. She was like, just ask. You know, what what's the worst that can happen? If they say no, they say no, but plucking up the courage to email someone and say, I really admire you. I really love all that you do, and I'd love to, you know. And, and and have a structure for it, you know, say, can mm. I do maybe half an hour once a month with you? you totally. know? So or don't just go in and be like, I want a mentor, because that could be three hours a week or it could be, you know, what, like we said, once a month. Um, but but just ask, because the worst that can happen is that they say no, but they might, you know, recommend you to someone else or whatever. So I think mentorship is really, really important and never be too scared to ask for it. Friends, walk in and mentorship. 
you've done us something proper. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Alice Living. I'm going to give you an hour. I'm giving you an hour back just to do whatever you want with. Mm. What would you do with it? What do, is your desire in terms of pleasure? Well, I, I think it'd be a little bit longer than now, but I would do it for an hour. Um, I am obsessed with musicals. That is, <laughs> that is like my absolute if I really wanted to escape I go and watch a music it is the most cathartic most like soul nourishing piece of like enjoyment for me is to go and watch a musical and I totally lose myself and I I would go and just sit and watch something in the west end and I would just sit there with a smile on my face for the whole hour hmm thank you very much (laughs) thank you that was sorry not sorry with galaxy I hope you're feeling inspired, I certainly am, to be honest and prioritise yourself without guilt. I'm well up for more pleasure. It's fundamental to our happiness and well-being. It makes everyone feel better too. So stop saying sorry about it. Also, big up yourself. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with my guest, Sarah Willingham. I am obsessed and in awe of the dragon. No, not that sounds bad. She's just a businesswoman, entrepreneur, smart, brilliant, amazing mum and woman. Uh, yeah, she'll be here for Sorry Not Sorry with Galaxy. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. There's lots of interesting chat to be listened to or Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Share it with your friends. And also, I'd be really flattered and happy (laughs) if you were to give us a five-star rating.